Welcome back to Taking the Leap Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Dickey. This afternoon, we're going to be interviewing a very good friend of mine, Trinity Galthrop. She is an amazing CEO and founder, having led multiple companies here within the United States, uh, having worked both in uh, the marketing and advertising industry in New York City and also Los Angeles. She is the founder and CEO of Ami Wellness, a plant-based only wellness company that empowers women on their wellness journey. We're going to hear just how exciting this is and what really got her into the space and motivated her on this journey to help empower not only women to live their best lives, but also to help them be great leaders and to accomplish a lot on their journey. She's also the founder and CEO of Brand Activate, and she does a lot of marketing with uh, clients around the country. She's worked with a lot of top brands and done some amazing things we're going to hear about here in just a few moments. Uh, She has a uh, Bachelor of Arts degree in English from Indiana State University, where she was also an NCAA soccer player. So she's a phenomenal athlete as well. So yeah, I'm really excited about what we're about ready to learn. I've really enjoyed uh, my friendship with Trinity. Every single time I chat with her, I learn more things. And uh, she's been a great role model and mentor for my daughters. And I believe that everybody who listens to this podcast is going to glean a lot of knowledge and wisdom that they'll be able to use in their career. And hopefully be able to help you as you're taking leaps and doing various exciting things in your life as well. So without any further ado, please enjoy our guest, Trinity Galthrop. Well, Trinity, welcome to the podcast. I've been looking forward to interviewing you for quite some time. I've really enjoyed our many previous conversations, and I know our listeners and guests are going to get so much information uh, out of your conversation today. And so I just want to say welcome. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, as a father of four daughters, you know, I am a very proud girl dad, and I'm raising my daughters to be strong, confident uh, young ladies, uh, willing and able to tackle all the challenges of the world. And as I look at, you know, potential mentors out there, role models for my daughters, I would definitely put you in one of those categories. You're, you are uh, not only a, a former NCAA athlete, but you've been successful in multiple businesses. You've launched multiple businesses. Now, I've really enjoyed getting to know you and see how you navigate both as a, a leader, uh, as a CEO and founder, uh, absolutely brilliant in the way that you analyze problems and tackle challenges that you've uh, come across. But the thing that really strikes me about you, Trinity, is um, you you display an amazing amount of flexibility. And so not only flexibility in the way in which you've been able to lead your company, uh, grow your company, all the various things that are on your plate, but your flexibility as a mom, you're you're a mother, uh, you're a wife, you've got so many various things on your plate. I'd just like to understand, um, tell, tell us a little bit about how important flexibility is in your life and all the various things that you're doing and how you've been able to navigate all this. Yeah. Well, first, thank you for all those uh, kind words. I don't know that I, uh, I don't, there are certainly times in my life when I shouldn't have been anyone's mentor, but, <laughs> but it, uh, it is a role that I think anyone can grow into um, for sure. Uh, and as far as flexibility, um, I have found throughout my entire life that 
that flexibility, which I crave structure. Um, I've craved it as a child. And when I couldn't get it, I created it for myself. Um, and I thought that flexibility and structure couldn't live together. So I, I found that when I tried to create a very rigid structure and I was very often taking a round peg into a square hole Mm -hmm. that I was trying to live a picture of happiness that fit the structure or a picture of success that fit the structure, but I wasn't happy. And my businesses weren't at that point, my business wasn't successful. Mm -hmm. And I, as I worked on that, um, with a, a coach, um, and a therapist who I'm a huge fan of, uh, she taught me that I could have structure. I could create stability, but that I could also create a massive amount of flexibility in all aspects. I could create emotional flexibility. I could create work flexibility. I could create flexibility in my home. Mm -hmm. And by allowing more flexibility, I could essentially unlock happiness. And it really, it really changed a lot about how I approach things because I also realized that I could look at the path every day, like look at where I was and where I was on the path every day. And then I could adjust to essentially like make the best of that day and that path where before I had the path so far laid out that if things weren't fitting into that path, I was frustrated. I was disappointed. I was angry. And then I was trying to jam everything back into the path Mm. Um, and it didn't work. So flexibility actually became my key to happiness. And then for my businesses, it became our key to success. And one good example is on the marketing side of of my business, uh, Brand Activate that I own, which is a marketing agency. I did not want to do something that we call sampling. We were not a sampling agency. I didn't want to do sampling. It wasn't what what I wanted to do. And it wasn't the path that I put the company on. And all of these companies kept knocking on our door to do sampling agencies and to do sampling programs. And I was refusing to do them. I was refusing to take the money. I was refusing to take the business. I was refusing to do it because I had this set thing that I wanted to do. And the reality was, is I had a team who could do, who could execute those very well. I had personal capabilities that I could lend. We had ways of working and processes and a training system that could really lend itself to, to not only executing these programs, but innovating these programs and doing them better than the competition was doing them. And it was having to relearn that and say, you're like, let it go. You know, you, you have to find the flexibility to, this is what like essentially the universe is giving you. This is the path. This is what people want from you. And listening again, right? Knowing where you are in that day and who's knocking on your door and then figuring out how you move your business forward that way. I like how uh, early on you're talking about with sitting down with your coach or your mentor and you had had this predetermined kind of path or maybe even even before the predetermined path, there were almost a mental... Um, frameworks of what success for 
you should be. Maybe it's stuff that the world has taught us to be like, oh, if you're going to be a successful woman, if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur, if you're going to be a successful CEO, this is what success is. It's like, and and the world does a really good job of defining that and all of us trying to live up to it. And you said you had to have a different type of flexibility, some mental flexibility to say, no, 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 no. I I am not going to succumb to what, you know, everybody else is saying success is. I'm going to redefine what success means for me. And so flexibility for you in your career started off with some mental flexibility to redefine that. And then for you to, I like how you also um, highlighted, you kind of almost reoriented some of the stuff that you were doing with brand activates. Like, hey, this is what the world's given me. I've got to have flexibility here. So you've got, you had two different types of flexibility, one early on the mental framework, and then um, a little more later with, you know, reorienting your business to uh, receive what uh, the world was asking and giving you, right? And it replays over and over. So I had to have flexibility of identity, to go back to what you were saying, I thought that for me to be a successful female executive, because at the time I was in corporate, that I had to dress a certain way. I had to be in the office before any man was in the office or anyone, but especially all of the men. I had to stay later. So I had to be the first car in, last car out. I had to set a goal to have the big corner office. I had to essentially decide that I probably wasn't going to get married and I most li- what most likely was not going to have children because this was going to take everything that I had. And because I had to be more focused, more cutthroat, more like more, 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 more than anyone else around me in order for me to succeed. And when some of those things changed and then, and then having to reorient my identity around the fact that I didn't have to be the first one in and the first one out because it wasn't matching my priorities anymore that I had in other parts of my life. I wanted to do other things. I wanted, I wanted flexibility mm-hmm. <laughs> in my life. I didn't want to get there at 6 a.m. and stay until 9 p.m. So breaking that down as well and then offering myself the flexibility and finding like essentially reorienting my identity so that it could match the flexibility that I wanted in my life. Those are really difficult things to do. And I'm sure many women, you know, even now feel like I have to give this up or I have to do this or I have to do this. And men too. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can't be there to drive my kids to school. I can't be there to do this. But I think what I hope one of the lessons is that we learn from COVID is that we can, we can create flexibility. We can create multiple streams of income. We can create flexibility in our schedules. We can create flexibility in our places of work. We can, we can create more flexibility to foster family. Um, I hope that that's one of the things that will stick because I think that that type of flexibility will offer people and future generations flexibility in how they create a picture of success where they see a picture of success where you can drive your kids to school and you could be there to pick them up if you wanted to, or you can start at, you know, 10 AM if that's the time that works best for you. And then maybe you prefer to work until six or seven or, you know, whatever that flexibility is. Was it scary for you when you were making those changes? Cause during, in the midst of it, 
you don't know how it's going to turn out. Uh, so my, my first question would be, is it, was it scary? And what did you find? Did you find that you had uh, more success? I mean, you redefined success for you. So I would imagine that uh, y- you found more success and more happiness once you were able to do that. It's terrifying. Um, and it's a really, the unknown is a really scary space to step into especially for people who crave structure and stability. Mm -hmm. So forcing again, that flexibility that you're of your identity, that mental flexibility to say like, I can take a deep breath. I can consider this. Mm -hmm. Right. And I can move into this space and I can see what that turns into. Um, And I, you know, and in that, then once you give yourself that freedom, one of the things that I noticed when I looked at a lot of different entrepreneurs was they seemed so fluid. It was like, so I started this company and then I did this and then I went and did this and then I did this. And I'm like, well, how could you have all that in a plan? I didn't have it in a plan. Mm -hmm. And that fluidity really informed a lot of the flexibility. I call it flexibility, but I call it fluidity for them. I don't know why, but it informed a lot of the flexibility of like, you're not going to know necessarily that next step. And it's better if you don't, because it allows you to like really look at where you are today. You can have a vision and a vision is different, right? Because a vision is like a, it's a goal cast. It's something, it can be short term, but it also usually is a, a, just a bigger space that you see, but you're not designing the, the, the path specifically to get there. That's kind of the brick by brick that you can do every day based on the circumstances that are coming at you or that are placed in front of you for that specific day. So it, it really is a huge mind shift. And once you can shift your brain to kind of lean into that flexibility, you lose a lot of the fear because Mm -hmm. you're really just thinking about like, okay, tomorrow I have to do this. And then tomorrow I have to do this. And it doesn't mean that in scary times that you're, that you don't feel that fear, but it again, just in leaning into it is like, okay, today is the day that I've Mm -hmm. got, (laughs) this is the opportunity to do what I've got to do for myself, with my family, with my business, and then making your decisions based on that. I think it's brilliant the way you've looked at it. I mean, one of the things that, um, I've tried to do in my career, and I don't think I, I started out this way, but uh, similar to you, I've had to have a great deal of flexibility in my career and my entrepreneurial journey. And uh, so I, I want to I see if you've done this, if this is something that you, you do. Um, but for me, I have found it really helpful. I mean, so I've, I'm kind of like a little bit of an engineer. Uh, I have an engineering background. And so I like actually the discipline of going through creating a plan. I know vi- I know long-term kind of where I want to be, what I want to accomplish, have the vision. And I'll go through the discipline of actually writing stuff out, you know, goals, timeline, things like, you know, sur- a structure, right? So that's one on one side of it. But at the uh, on the other side of it, also being open to being, you know, extremely flexible that, hey, if the right, if a, a, an opportunity presents itself, you just, you never know how things are going to go. You have to be really, I, I think you, the way you coined it is being very open, you know, open for opportunity, open for uh, adjustments. But I try to do both. I try to have a, a, the discipline to chart something out. So, if, you know, if a 
the plan worked perfectly. This is what I'd like to potentially do, but be open, having some flexibility. You know, I see um, there's two different types of people that I that I see. You've got on one on one end, you've got the folks that are just like ah, say la vie. You know, whatever whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It's just ah, whatever, and that seems to be almost like maybe like too much flexibility. You know, right? It's like whoa, ho- ho- maybe make a plan or two. Maybe at least think about it for a split second. And then on the other end, you could have somebody who is just so dogmatic about oh, this is my goal, this is my plan. I've got to have this achieved by such and such date, and they're uh, so locked in. Linear and non-flexible. Um, either one of those you know, polar opposites would be very dangerous, especially in today's economy. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And I can tell you that at different times in my business, I've been both. Mm-hmm. So I've been there where I'm like, "This is our plan. This is exactly what we're doing. This is how we're going to do it." I had 50 page business plans and I had flow charts and I had the ultimate strategic plan completed mm-hmm. and I had all these things. And because I was so focused on, on that, I'm going that way. Mm-hmm. I wasn't seeing that I wasn't driving the business. I was mm-hmm. executing according to my plan, but mm-hmm. I wasn't actually, I wasn't learning what I was supposed to be learning along the way. I wasn't seeing the signs that were, happening. I wasn't, I was looking at the data, but I was looking at the data as it drives towards my plan, Mm -hmm. not as the data, like what the data could really tell you. Because you can be executing a world-class plan, but if you're not like mindful of the changing environment around it, right? Like the, the, the entire economy could be changing. You're executing according to plan, but you'd be like, if you put your head up at sometimes you're like, oh, maybe I ought to be going in a different direction, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. Best laid plans, right? Yep. Everybody's mm-hmm. heard that. Yeah. You could have the best, best written, best, you know, best business indicator. You could have done all the research. I had the best SWOT analysis. I mean, all of the things, all mm-hmm. of the things that they say you're supposed to have, all the things you could have all of them. And if to your point, if you don't pick your head up and look around, or if you're so vested in what you think your mission is, and you stop looking at, but it's a business, mm-hmm. and you stop looking at the business end of your mission, you might find yourself in a tough spot. And I've also been there where I'm like, eh, yeah. me. like yeah. whatever happens tomorrow is going to happen tomorrow. No plan has worked. So like whatever happens tomorrow happens tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And let's just like, especially in a startup environment, there comes a point where you've really just got to let it all go. Mm-hmm. And you really are throwing spaghetti at a wall, which is one of my least, like that does not work with like who I am. <laughs> right. And you've got just have to keep trying and failing forward mm-hmm. and trying and failing forward and trying and failing forward. And it is such a tough process. <laughs> um, but you celebrate the wins and, and that's where you have to be incredibly flexible because also some of the things that succeed are the things you don't like. Yeah. Like it's a plan you don't like. It's an ad buy you didn't like. It's not your favorite product in your product line because it it's going to take on a life that's out, that's beyond you. And mm-hmm. so some, you know, having that flexibility too to be like, okay, this is what the people want, but right. it's not really what I want mm-hmm. and and being able to move that forward. Well, I think one of the things that makes the entrepreneurial journey 
uh, so interesting, right? So many stories of, you know, companies that uh, their original game plan uh, was failing miserably, and somehow they found, you know, uh, gold in all the ashes, and then all of a sudden a new company uh, forms. And so Twitter. Uh, is one of those examples, right? Where the messaging system is, I forget the, the, what they were doing originally. It was a, um, I, I think it was a blogging service or something and they fa- it was failing and it was the mess- internal messaging service that they, they were using back and forth amongst the team. And they're like, hey, I think maybe this has some real world application. Boom, there you got, you have Twitter. I think Instagram was originally, um, the original uh, name for that company was Bourbon and it was a, um, so it was some it was a way of sharing photos and it, they pivoted and iterated and and finally you know came out with instagram but there's just so many of those types of things and so i think um in your, in your journey what you've learned and you've discovered of being open having that mental flexibility and I, I think that that's so critical for for success where you started with it's like you know what i'm, I'm going to flip the narrative i'm not going to accept what the world tells me is the definition of success you, you did some time of soul searching of what does success mean for you for your family um and once you had that then you were open to being flexible in other areas of life to be able to achieve it um that's something i'm going to you know, make sure I'm spending time teaching my daughters uh, to have that type of mental flexibility, define success, and then, you know, be open to what the world is is providing. Speaking of uh, my, my daughters, you know, what advice, I mean, since you, you've, you know, here you are a successful female founder, CEO, um, female executive, what advice would you give um, young girls? that are following in your footsteps today? What are, what are some of the things that you've learned on your journey? Things that you would, you know, whether it could be advice that you would give to, uh, you know, young female executives right now that want to be in your shoes or young girls who are, you know, in junior high, high school um, and wanting to follow in your footsteps. What, what have you learned along the way? I would say one of the biggest success drivers for me has been tenacity if you if 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 you want something, you absolutely cannot take no for an answer. I don't really hear the word no. Like I hear it, and then I'm like, oh, I didn't ask the question right, or <laughs> I'm asking it. the wrong person, or like I just don't really hear it. And even when someone's like, that's not possible, I'm like, hmm. Isn't it though? Like I just, <laughs> it just isn't really like a concept that has worked with my brain. And so I always just think like, that's not the answer I want. I'm a huge fan of hookah, hang up and call again. Like if you get the wrong person at customer service and they give you the wrong the answer that you don't want, I'm like, oh, you just hang up and call again. And I, and then you get someone else and they give you a different answer. And I think I just sort of apply that to life. Like, mm, that's not the answer I want. I'm just going to ask someone else or I'm going to find someone else that could help me or I'm going to figure out another way. Or so I think that, and I think that part of that is tenacity. Mm-hmm. Just like, just stay, just stay in it. And if you, if you think it's possible, if you believe in it, then it absolutely is because you can make it possible. And again, you might have to have some flexibility, so it might not be exactly the way that you wanted it to be, but like, don't let that be the thing that stops you. Just like, keep, just keep, just keep going, like keep, keep asking, keep pushing, keep moving what you care about forward. 
Is that, do you think that you were born with natural tenacity or is this a muscle that you developed over time? How, how, how would a, uh, somebody develop tenacity? You, you, also, you also strike me as a person who doesn't have a whole lot of fear. You know, to, to be tenacious, to exercise tenacity, you almost, you, you have to like almost not have a whole lot of fear, or care about what people think, right? You've, right? You just got to like, hey, this is what I'm doing, you know, regardless. I think it can be fostered. Um, okay. I, when my parents told me I could be anything, mm-hmm. I actually really believed that. <laughs> so, and that I could do anything. Um, and so I think you can, and my mom was someone who very much believed in like question everything, like nothing has to be what it appears. So question everything, you know, push the boundaries, maybe an authority is not your authority. So really pushed me. She probably would have pushed me even farther. I'm, I'm not like a, there's the part of me that really likes that structure and stability. So I don't, I'm not, even when people, you know, talk about, um, really disrupting something, I'm not always very comfortable with that because disruption would mess up my whole structure and stability situation. Mm -hmm. But I'm totally fine with being like, not necessarily a maverick, but with like pushing a boundary or getting to some, getting, moving something forward that I, that I care about. So I think you can foster it, um, in, in your employees, in your children. And I think a part of it is teaching everyone that like their voice matters and a big part of that is listening, right? So like listening, I have listened to ideas that after the first sentence, I was like, oh dear, <laughs> I don't know about this one. But some of them got better over time. Like as the person talked through it, it got better. But I also knew that my listening through the whole thing was going to create like confidence and validate that person so that then they could get braver and braver in offering more ideas. And everyone has... I'm not the person that has said this. Um, the woman who started Spanx says everyone's had a million dollar idea. And I can tell you in every organization I've been with, everyone at some point has come up with an idea that has been genius and has contributed to that organization. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I, I don't think that everyone is going to just come out and be fearless, but I definitely think there are things that we can do as leaders and as parents and as we build organizations that could foster more fearlessness and, and foster tenacity. And part of that is not saving people like, Oh, explain that. And I can't, and and I, and they, and they need to, So my employees are going to fail and they need to. Mm -hmm. Part of tenacity and developing some fearlessness is also, uh, you're not afraid of failure. And your culture has to encompass that. I think both in your household and then in your business. So you have to, you have to encourage that it's okay. I always say, I'm going to give you enough rope. You can tie a rope, you can tie a bow, or you can tie a noose. Either one, I'm still going to be here for you. Mm-hmm. Like you can hang yourself or you can make it pretty. Mm-hmm. I, you're going to be the final one that decides where you do that rope. And mm-hmm. either way, I'm going to be here. Like, what on whatever side you get to, and then we're going to, you know, work it through after that. And I don't think that that's the most poetic, but it's just how I always think of it. And I'll tell it to my kids. 
tie a bow, tie a noose. I'm not having this conversation with you anymore because you can only argue something for so long. Mm. And I think that sometimes in work, like, I don't know if they're going to tie a bow or tie a noose, but we're going to see how this one we'll See how goes. it turns out. But then you, instead of like belittling someone or creating a culture where like where that, where, where something not working out would be a really big deal, instead really creating a culture both in your home and in your business that cultivates key learning. So like every time I'm like, Ooh, well, that was a really big learning opportunity. Wasn't it? Everybody <laughs> let's talk about what we learned from that. Like, what would we do again? What wouldn't we do again? How much did that hurt? Like how, you know, what do we need to fix? And I think by that too, it's, I played soccer. So this is a little different, but my sons, I have, I'm a boy mom. So my sons play, two of my sons play baseball and they always yell to the kids, like wear it, meaning wear the, wear the pitch so that you get on the base. So go ahead and get hit. Mm -hmm. And I don't love that saying. So I'm like, I wouldn't wear that ball. Like that thing looks like it hurts. But the one thing that we went through with one of my sons is he was so afraid to get hit by the ball that he kept jumping out of the box. So one day I made him stand and this is going to sound terrible, but I made him stand in front of a net and I just threw balls at him. And I was like, there, you wore it. Like, that's it. That's how bad it is. Like, yes, those kids can throw harder than I did, but I just did it to you 15 times. It might happen to you once every two games. Mm -hmm. Like, carry on. Let's get over this. I'm not going to watch you jump out of that box anymore. If you want to play the sport? Play the sport. If you don't want to play the sport? Step out. That is and so brilliant. I just, I, I, you we, can we, wear it now. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, okay, how much did that hurt? It didn't hurt that Okay, you really messed up. How much mm. did that hurt? It didn't hurt that bad. I'm not mad. We're not mad. Carry on. Like, how much did the pitch hurt? It didn't hurt that bad. Carry yeah. On. You know, we, we could literally have a whole podcast on just that uh, example right there. You know, in life, I see so many people who want to do something. They they and they're, but they're not fully committed, right? So for your your son to be fully committed to the sport of baseball, he's got to step into that batter's box, and he is he he's going to have to wear it, right? Like you you can't play baseball and then be afraid of the pitch when it's coming down and constantly jump out. It's just you're, it's not going to work, and and so you allowed him to feel that failure of, you know, hey, this is what it's like. You're going to get hit. Congratulations. It's, it, it, that's what it's, it's going to take to play the sport. Now you get to go to first base. And so many times I think in life, I've seen people who want to do something. They want to be an entrepreneur, but they're afraid of getting hit by that ball. And so they're constantly jumping out of the batter's box, trying to avoid failure, trying to avoid the pain and be like, Dude, if if you're gonna play this game, that's part of it. You're gonna like so you're gonna have to he, uh, hear someone say, "No, your idea stinks. I don't like it. I don't want to be in business with you." I, right? I mean, I, you hear these examples of entrepreneurs who went out and they pitched, uh, you know, hundreds of times to investors to get them to invest in their business, and it was no, no, no. That'll never work. That'll never work. Um, you know, famous example. The CEO and founder of FedEx, he was uh, in Yale, uh, Yale uh, Management School. He wrote up a paper um, on the whole FedEx idea and submitted it. And his professor gave him a C and said, this idea will never work. If you want to get a better grade, you know, you need to ha actually come up with an idea that will work. And of course, the guy, you know, graduates from Yale and goes out and creates FedEx. It's one of the an iconic American company. But you know, you've got to be willing to hear people say no to your idea, to say that will never work, to, to taste disappointment. You got to stand in that batter's box and get hit a bunch of times. And then eventually you're going to get a home run. You know, you get a grand slam. Maybe it's a single, but that's it's 
That's a great example of a parent helping their kids build that tenacity and, you know, understand what it takes to win in life. And there's, our society is full of losers. I hate to, I hate to say it, but you you and I both know this is a true statement. We have a bunch of people who are afraid of failure. They, They desperately want to be able to achieve success in life, but they're so scared to fail and be like, guys, that's part, that's part of it. You're going to have to get hit by a couple pitches, right? Yeah. I think sports is such a great way to learn that you're going to win some games. You're going to lose some games. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I definitely, you're going to win a meet. You're going to lose a meet. Mm -hmm. You're going to wear it or you're going to jump out of the batter's box. Mm -hmm. So there's so much in sports that I think can help teach you the lessons. And if it's not sports, you could find a lot of those same similarities on a lot of different things. You could play a musical piece. You're going to miss some notes, and then you're going to play it beautifully. Mm -hmm. Um, And not everything comes from practice. Some of it comes from instinct. Some of it comes from just sheer will. Some of it comes from dedication. And you don't always have to be the most skilled. When you look at tons of people who have started successful companies, they're not necessarily the smartest. They're not necessarily, you know, the 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 expert in mm-hmm. whatever the specific area is. You know, it, to your point, it's a little. It's it's a it is a special. To really create something like a FedEx, I think it, it is a little bit of a special alchemy, you know, mm-hmm. of, of things coming together. Right. And not every company is a FedEx. There are thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of successful small companies that not, you know, that we never even hear about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for them, it, it probably is a combination of flexibility, tenacity, dedication. The other part is a lot of people want something but they don't want to work for it. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot more of that in every day where I get that you want it, but it all, there is nothing is easy. Right. Expand on that a little bit. Cause I a hundred percent agree with you. So people see the trappings of success, right? They see um, an, an example, like last night uh, there was the Oscar award ceremony, right? I didn't uh, watch it, but I saw you know, remnants of uh, on the news this morning as I was getting ready. And I think that's, that's a, a perfect example of there's so many people who would love, right? To be a movie star, right? It's this sexy industry, you're on the big screen, you're going to be Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie, whatever. And, you know, that would walk the red carpet, win the Oscar, but are you willing to actually do all the grunt work to get there, right? The and none of those people just accidentally just stumbled out of bed one morning and won an Oscar. I mean, there's I mean, if you, you track their stories, there's years of them waiting uh, tables at some dive restaurant, and they're you know taking thousands of auditions and getting turned down. People tell them you'll never make it, never make it, never make it. They're continuing to go and hone their craft or doing stand up comedy or whatever. Uh, getting in those little B-rated movies, and all of a sudden, one day, somebody has oh 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 the the lucky break. They've oh they got their lucky break. And I'm like, is it really luck, or was it like you know two decades of them you know toiling away, and they and they and they finally made it, right? But we all we all cheer when we see the Oscar ceremony, and so I'm just wondering, 
you know, there's so many people. We we all want the the trap uh, the the trappings of success, right? But it's do we really want to be on that journey to do what it takes to get there? What what, what have you experienced? Well, I think you really nailed it with lucky break because the one thing oh, our society has created a value around an overnight success, a lucky break. Something has to be has to be fast and easy and and big. You can lose 15 pounds if you drink one cup of this coffee. You can take this. We want the easy route. So we don't want to listen. The majority of us don't want to listen to the story of the 10,000 steps. We want it to have been an overnight success because if it's an overnight success, then we can do it without having to put in any of the effort. Mm-hmm. So we need a big break, an overnight success, a this, a that. We don't want the, you know, we don't want the long story, the toil, the the effort. And that's a, that's, I think that's a society thing. And so I think we really have to break that. And I, I think we break it, again, starting as parents. Um, and I break it, I think when I hire people because my interviews are really not fun and they usually start with like, this will be the most difficult job you've ever had. <laughs> because I think if someone wants to stay past that, like, then you might really want to come and work here every day. I'm, it might be the most fun. It might not. Like, there might be days that it is. There might be days that it's not. You might learn the most. You might not. I can't guarantee you any of those other things. But what I can absolutely guarantee you is that it will probably be the most difficult job that you've had. I so I think we have to start like everybody needs to know it's not easy. And if anyone is telling you that it is, and I've posted about this a number of times because it makes me nuts. There is no, you're not going to make a million dollars overnight. You are not going to join a company and make $300, you know, in your first week, maybe you will, but then you'll never repeat that because that's just how they set it up to like catch you. You're mm-hmm. not going to, there is, there is no easy way even like the lottery statistically the 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 chance that you're going to win on the first time that you ever play the lottery is so statistically far out there you'd have to play every single day well guess what that's an investment that's an effort you went you bought that ticket every single day just to win Mm -hmm. the lottery it's it's like we really have to change we have to change everybody. So I guess that's too hard, right? So you've got to start somewhere and just being honest about it's hard. Everything is, everything takes hard work and that's why it's rewarding because you put effort into it. Talk about what you've learned regarding consistency, because I would imagine that it's not just a uh, hard work for a moment in time, but it's hard work consistently over a long period of time. So I'm an athlete as well. Well, I guess you'd say say former athlete, but track and field and uh, after college marathons. And one of the things that I learned is that, you know, the momentum that you build in athletics, especially in running, it's like it builds on itself. And if I took a week or two weeks off, it was amazing how much fitness I could lose. And it was almost like starting all over again for me to be able to hit my goals. I I had to consistently work at it again and again and again for a long period of time to be able to hit my goal. And I found the same thing happens in business. Right. And I, and I watch people who will be like, man, they, they will give a world class effort for a, a brief 
brief moment in time. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to take my foot off the gas. I'm going to rest for a little bit, and I'll get back into it, you know, next month or next quarter. And it, I personally think it's almost impossible to have success when you're on again, off again, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. It's like can, you've got to be consistent for a long enough period of time to be able to have success. Have, have, you, have you experienced that in, in your life as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's like two sides to that, right? So one is you have to put in the effort to build the systems and the people who can keep you successful, even if you don't have your pedal on the gas Mm -hmm. in that specific area. Mm -hmm. Because I definitely have found, right, there's especially having multiple businesses, you're going to, there are times when you're going to have to be pedaling the gas over here, pedaling the gas over here. But if I was pedaled to the gas and then because I have to be over mm-hmm. here and then because I have to be over here and I didn't create any systems and I didn't foster the people who could keep it going, then it wouldn't continue to to carry itself. Mm-hmm. So I think when we do hear those success stories of people in business who have built these really big, you know, who have built even not big, successful businesses, mm-hmm. but who do say like, I can take a day off and spend it with my grandkids. Mm-hmm. I can take an afternoon off and drive my kids. I can create that flexibility. They created the flexibility by putting in the effort to build the system. And then by every time the system breaks down, jumping back in to be the cog, to be the wheel, mm-hmm. to be the person, to be the thing that's broken down in that system. And so, and I do think there's times in your business life where you were at an all out sprint and you have to know that that's what you're going into and you have to recognize it and then you have to be dedicated to it and you've got to see it through to the end if you want to see any success from it. Mm-hmm. And then there are times, not where you're going to be able to coast, but where you could you could take a day and clear, go and clear your head and you could hike on a Monday if you wanted to hike on a Monday. You could shorten your work day if for a while you wanted to shorten your work day and refocus on on your family. But again, it's going to be because you built those systems that can keep your business running. If nothing keeps your business running except for you, then every time you step on the brake, your business pumps the brakes. Mm-hmm. So true. All uh, always goes back to systems thinking. So you're you're actually probably more of an uh, uh, engineer than you realize. <laughs> you've you've engineered know. success I mean, in a lot of. When I hear of- you talk and you and I know you do, I know that you architect things like uh, I think I I think I do it a little bit different and I also do it I think because I'm I want it all to work right so I do it more out of necessity mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like you do it because it's it, how your brain works is so incredible and it's something that I watch and I'm just so fascinated by and and I think you do it because it's you are architecting like first a plan and then a vision and then almost like a universe. And it's just really cool. I've never and it's heard. very different where I'm more of like a bull in a China shop. Like let's just climb it and <laughs> we'll figure it out. Well, I, I love watching how you create and how you lead. It's been, it's been fascinating and uh, super fun. I've learned a lot from you as you know, we've had so many conversations over the last, I don't know, year, year and a half. And um, so I think that we, we, we both have uh, maybe different styles, and uh, mutual respect and admiration as we have kind of learned from each other, uh, especially over this last year uh, with COVID as we've been trading stories and, and working together. But so Trinity, tell me uh, a little bit, I mean, this, the, the, 
name of this podcast is Taking the Leap. And you've taken the leap multiple times, you know, even after um, the age of 40, taking a pretty big leap, right? So what have you learned in your entrepreneurial journey, but specifically taking the leap uh, to, to try something new, to do something different? Uh, what, what are some of the things that you've learned on, on that journey of yours? Well, I started a wellness company at the beginning of COVID when I was, if I'm 45 now, then probably when I was like, or we launched at the beginning of COVID. I started it before that. So in my early, in my early forties, cause mm-hmm. I'm 45 now. And in, to do that, I had to create the systems and get a company running that I had started that was completely in my wheelhouse of everything that I had built. It was the culmination, we'll say, of my career, right? It used every part of everything that I learned. I had every right to be there. I had every right to start that business. I was, you know, could have been considered an expert in that area, maybe, you know, and still could. And and it's a business that I'm involved in today. And I took this total left turn and leap of faith just based on personal experience and a change in geography where I felt like the women around me and myself were not being offered the opportunity for alternative medicine and specifically for plant-based medicine. Mm -hmm. And I was really disappointed in how quick uh, the community, medical community was around me that I was being exposed to, how quick they were to write a prescription Mm -hmm. to essentially what I call flip a script to each of us and, and all of us, even for things that we weren't asking for. We were actually trying to have a conversation about what the, the opportunities were there. So coming, you know, coming around, watching that business almost completely fall apart, talking to you about it for a year, getting your advice and your insight of what can I do? You know, what should I be doing? What am I not seeing? Mm-hmm. And then working through and eventually creating a path forward for that business together mm-hmm. was an incredible experience. And in it, I would have to do a whole other podcast for you to tell you all the things that I've learned. But the biggest key takeaways for me were that I came from a space where I was always being asked and essentially like the expert. So I was being asked and I answered a question. I had to listen, but it's a different level of listen when you are constantly asking things like, what didn't I ask? What am I not understanding? What am I not seeing? Mm. What should I be afraid of that I'm not afraid of? You know, and not fear in a, in a um, paralyzing way, but fear in a, like, I should take note. I should be aware, aware. I should know that that's a danger zone and to find another Path? What are the signs that I'm not recognizing? And then beyond that, what are what are the success metrics that I'm maybe not measuring, that I'm not, maybe the company's doing better than I think it is. And maybe because we're in our first year and it's in a space that I'm not, you know, familiar with, maybe I don't even know how to measure success. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm using all the financial measures, but there are actually other measures that show that we could we will be healthy or that we could you know, that we are viable and I just don't even know what to look at. So I think my biggest lesson is don't, and again, it's the fear thing, but like you have to embrace and really lean into like, you're not going to know everything. You can't do everything. And that's hard because you have to prioritize things you don't want to prioritize. But 
And just to really, you'll hear it and I'll say it a lot in meetings. Um, I end a lot of calls with it. Like what, what should I have asked you that I didn't ask? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's something that I'm not measuring that I should be measuring? Like I'll, I'll constantly looking into the, what, what you might know that I don't know. And I think Pitbull said it best. And this is going to be very funny that I'm quoting Pitbull, but there's this book called the, the third door, I think or the back door, the third door. It's a good, it's a really good book. Uh, and, and it's a business book, mm-hmm. um, but it's well written and it's entertaining. And he interviews Pitbull and, um, Pitbull says, you know, and it, it, it's much more involved in this, but the line that I've kept and that I'm kind of, you know, re- that I have really adopted is I want to be life's intern. So it's this idea of like constantly ask the questions about what you don't know, what you don't even know that you don't know. Like every day, it's an opportunity to learn something. So, so really learn it. That is a great quote. I'm jotting it down. I want to make sure I get that book too. I don't think I've ever heard of that one. And but as I'm listening to you highlight this, right? So the question at the top was, you know, what did you learn in, the, in this really big pivot at a, a monumental uh, point in life, right? So uh, generally speaking, you know, 40 is a inflection point in people's life, and here you are. You make this big pivot. Uh, you're launching a new wellness company. And as you recount the things that you're learning, it strikes me that it, it seems like you um, had a voracious appetite to be a learner. You were constantly seeking knowledge, constantly asking questions. I love those questions that you asked. and um, But to to operate in that zone, you had to constantly be acquiring new knowledge. It's not like you could have just gone out and gotten an MBA and be like, okay, I'm good. I got all the, I got all the answers. I mean, regardless of how much experience you had, uh, education that you've had, r- running other businesses, you are still in a mode of asking deep questions at all points and consistently learning and, and, and acquiring knowledge as you were you know, honing and refining your craft. Uh, I think that's super important for anybody who wants to be successful in life. Um, yeah, just I, and I love those questions. One of the, one of the things that reminds me of is uh, I think Donald Rumsfeld, when he was the Secretary of Defense, he uh, would come into the office at the Pentagon and he would ask his staff. He said, uh, "He goes, I want to know. We have the known knowns. We have the unknown." or the known unknowns. And he goes, the things that scare me are the unknown unknowns. He goes, those, the, the, those, these are, the, these are the, the existential threats to you know, the military, to our society. He goes, what, he goes, that's what scares me, the unknown unknowns. And it seems like that in, in a business context, that's what you are looking for. You're constantly probing, looking for, asking those questions. What's the question I should have asked? What's the metric I should be looking at? What are, what, so I, it's very intuitive and brilliant on your part to be dialed in uh, there. What, what anything else that you can think of? And in, in in you, not only did you make this pivot at a very monumental uh, moment in time, but you were also doing it during one of the the, the worst global pandemics that you know we, had, we certainly we've seen in our lifetime. Um, and uh, so I'm sure you've learned some things during 2020 as well, right? Yeah. Um... You know, I think that was really the biggest one. And, and in that is also wrapped up with the, the fact that no matter what, no matter what the situation is, no matter when in, in history or the future, you know, you're going to be a leader, you are going to be faced 
with the unknown. You are going to be faced with things that someone else hasn't necessarily dealt with. Mm -hmm. So you're, if you have the opportunity to ask, you know, people questions or really just take advantage of your resources. So, and have all the conversations, like don't stop talking to anyone and everyone who's willing to have a conversation with you. Don't be afraid to ask people essentially for, you know, for help and help meaning. I just want to have, I just want to have a 20 minutes of your time, 30 minutes of your time, an hour of your time, which for someone who's never met you before might be a big ask, but I can't tell you how many people I just sent a note to and said, I respect you. I respect what you've built in your business. This is what I've done. This is what I think I'm struggling with. Mm-hmm. Could I have an hour of your time to tell you a little bit about where we are and ask you some questions about where I'm trying to get us to see if maybe you can help identify like what, maybe what I'm doing wrong, you know, cause mm-hmm. there is that feeling too. It was, it was very hard not to blame myself for us not being wildly successful especially because we had made a choice to be not only a direct sales company, but also an e-commerce company in a time when e-commerce was booming. Mm-hmm. But what was very hard to you know, have conversation around is that yes, e-commerce is booming, but very much people were looking for brands that they deemed safe, that they already knew. There was discovery happening, but startups were not necessarily at the top of like everyone's purchasing list. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes it's also you 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 have to you have to be able to look at the situation and take it apart. Mm-hmm. And especially in an environment where you are a leader, sometimes people are going to tell you that it's your fault or that, you know, sometimes you're going to be in what feels very much like a pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. And I I think the other thing I learned was and I know you you are very kind and you say I'm fearless or I have this confidence, but I had to really dig deep to find a confidence in myself to not accept their words as my truth. Mm. Like, no, I did not make, we made these decisions together. You're my board. Like I worked with you. We, we picked this budget. We chose this path. We made these business assumptions. Mm-hmm. Like we all did this together. So it's no, it's not okay now that you turn around and say, I failed. I've done this to the company. That's not the reality that we're all dealing with. That might be the reality that you want because it releases you from certain things, Mm -hmm. but that's not really what's happening. But I had to really work through trusting myself and having enough confidence in myself to take that position and, and and really analyze it and be able to say, here are some things that I think I could have done better. Here's a lot of what I learned, but that doesn't mean that what you're saying is correct. Right. I think it goes back to the beginning of uh, you being um, mentally flexible and defining success and taking, taking a a moment to uh, do some deep dive introspection and, you know, I think I, I mean I watched you as you as you navigated uh, 2020. You know the, the various conversations, and you know I was just you know so impressed with how 
uh, you were leading, how you uh, the, the questions that you were asking, the things that you were doing, in a, in a, in a very uh, challenging environment. And, you know, so uh, me in a, a similar situation, being the CEO of a company, and you know, trying to navigate all the various things. You know, there were many times that we were on the phone together talking and. Um, you know, sharing ideas and asking each other questions. And I just, I was always very, very impressed at just how resolute you were um, and just how you navigated. And um, yeah, so I, I commend you for that. And I, I gained a great deal of uh, respect and admiration uh, for you as a leader and as a CEO and as a founder of a company. And maybe that's a, a good uh, segue back on the topic of, uh, plant-based wellness, because in the in the mid, here we are in the midst of this pandemic. All of a sudden, health-related issues are at the forefront. People are like, "Oh, do I need to? You know, how do I protect myself? You know, against this you know, this virus?" And yeah, you know, we've had uh, long conversations about you know you shared why you were so passionate about alternative medicine, uh, alternative uh, therapies, if you will, and, and plant-based wellness. And the, your background of um, what what you had when you were kind of a little girl growing up, and the things that you saw that your family had, and you wanted to be able to bring that to to women um, and families in need. So, can can you share with us maybe a little bit of your journey there and why you're so passionate about uh, plant based wellness, world yeah. class, world class, I should say, plant based wellness because me wellness is amazing. I absolutely love the product. You did an amazing job with it. I mean, if you're gonna make it you might as well make it really good. There you uh, go. And if you're going to, for me, if I'm going to stand up and and talk about it and share it with someone else, then it's going to have to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to have to be true to what I say it's true to. Um, and I just want to go back for one second, not to make this like the giant love fest, but People know you, but you are always asking a lot of the questions. And I just want to say that in that time where where you were offering your mentorship and we were having conversation during COVID and what then shaped one of the reasons why I was so passionate and excited about giving a me a life at Bonvera was that your, your insight and your focus were so spot on in a time that there's no way that you could have seen what was coming next. So just in the advice that you gave and what you thought, you know, was going to happen and what you felt like companies needed to do to protect themselves, what you felt like leaders needed to do to protect their people and protect their business. It was completely spot on. Um, And I just wanted to throw that out there because uh, I know that the people who are listening are already your fans, but I want to give them, (laughs) There's a little bit more of a reason to, to be a fan. Oh, and the second part of that was you, you, you and the, the businesses that you've been involved with, with are, are very mission driven and they're very, they're very then ethically rooted. And I think being rooted in your beliefs and those beliefs having to be focused on to do good and to give more than you receive mm-hmm. are so important. And, are, were are such drivers for for myself and and everyone out of me. So into oh. plant based wellness. Um, well, thank you for those comments. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, you know, we people think that they don't 
like know about plant-based wellness or maybe they don't practice plant-based wellness, but what they don't realize is aspirin originally came from a bark of a tree. So plant-based wellness to say we're rooted in it, even though that's very mm-hmm. punny, um, we are rooted in it. So our our history in medicine is rooted in plant-based wellness. All of the indigenous cultures that we all come from um, that are the foundation of, of our time on this planet, they were all rooted in plant-based wellness. So it is a part of our tradition. It's a part of our heritage. Um, and this, sometimes people feel like it takes you right too far, but I think it's a part of our medical right. Like we should have a right to choose how we want to practice our our wellness and it is a practice and we should have the right and the opportunity to make choices around the ingredients that are offered to us and the products that we choose to use on and in our bodies and in how we define wellness for ourselves and for our families. And I had grown up in a hippie household. So plant-based wellness was actually 90% of, of my health and mm-hmm. wellness that was provided to me by my parents. I had Botflowery remedies. I had homeopathic remedies. I had, we had tinctures for things. We had creams for things. We had, um, we had crystals. We, you know, we had mm-hmm. all of the things, but I was a very healthy child and mm-hmm. pretty much once a year I went for my phys- my annual physical uh, to my regular, you know, my regular doctor, my mm-hmm. Western doctor for school. And maybe once a year I would go in with a strep throat or a bronchitis or something that I picked up at school um, that my, my parents, you know, they did understand that, that a, an antibiotic was necessary in certain situations. And I do believe that I have a foot in the East and I have a foot in the West. Um, and I treat my own children very much the same way. And I try and work in concert with their Western doctors as much as possible. So telling them about all the different things we're doing, sometimes they understand it and like it. Sometimes they don't, but I make sure everybody knows about everything. Cause I think that's the best way kind of to manage mm-hmm. it. So I don't, I'm not saying that you have to pick one over the other. I'm saying that I think they can all work really well uh, together and complement each other. So I didn't, I didn't, I'd never taken an over-the-counter drug until I think I was in college or out of college. I had never taken an Advil. There was probably no such thing as a leave. I had never even taken a Tylenol um, until, unless it was something was prescribed to me by, by my doctor. So then I lived in New York City for many years, and then I lived in LA for many years. And though you can find those communities and you can find those resources in both cities. And for a brief period of time in my 20s, I really moved away from plant-based wellness because I needed all the quick fixes. This is when I wanted to be the first one in the office and the last one to leave. It's when I thought that I had to set aside all my wants and needs to focus on this one goal. I wasn't really living my, like my true path or my Mm. true life. And I, in wanting all of those things, I wanted all the quick fixes that would get me there. So I would take, uh, I would take anything, like anything. So uh, allergy medicine, cold medicine, everything over the counter that I could get my hands on. And then even beyond that, 
anything that was going to like keep me up and keep me moving. I took Xenadrin. I took, and people remember some of these things, but, and I was totally burning the candles at, at both ends and eventually ended up really sick. Um, and I was in the hospital for a week and then I was home uh, recuperating for two weeks and I missed four weeks of work, which I mean, I didn't even miss an hour pretty much. I worked like 20 hours a day at least. So after that experience, I had to really reconnect to who I was and what had worked for my body. And I wanted to feel well again. Mm -hmm. And I went back to plant-based wellness and I found the communities uh, in New York that offered that. And then when I lived in LA, it was very easy to access. And then I moved to the Midwest and, and in both of those places, when you would say like, Oh, homeopathic or it's organic or it's this, everybody knew what you were talking about. And then I moved to the Midwest about six years ago. And when I said, hey, you know, do you have a functional medical doctor? Do you, you know, who do you go to for sort of integrated holistic health? Who is your resource for this or who's your resource for that? Where do you get your tinctures? Like in the, you, I was speaking Greek. These people were like, my primary care physician is Dr. Scott. And I was like, oh, cool. Is he an integrative functional like medicine doctor? And they were like, what? <laughs> what is that? So it started a lot of conversation and, Hey, do you know, you also, I also have this or I also have that, or there would just be conversation. Like I'm not sleeping very well. So I went to my doctor and I got a sleeping pill, but then my sleeping pill makes me, gives me anxiety. So then I have taking this pill and then my anxiety pill hurts my stomach. So I'm taking this pill. And I was like, Whoa, that's a lot of pills. Like now you have, you just created four problems and you just need to, Sleep? Like, is it a clinical issue that like you need to sleep or you're just like not sleeping well? Right. No, I'm just not sleeping well. Like there's options mm -hmm. like for that, like that, that's more of a lifestyle issue and that's, you know, and that's a wellness issue. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of ways that you could come at that, that might not mean that you have to take a pill to then take three other pills. Mm -hmm. And it was in those conversations and in that struggle you know, that I realized there's someone should do something is really how it started. Someone, not me, but like someone should do something. And then it became, you know, then everybody was like, oh, I found it. I'm, I'm taking CBD. And I was like, okay, do you know how cannabinoids work in your body and how they work with your endocannabinoid system and they're amazing and they're CBD and CBA and CBG and we're just learning all the science and this is awesome, but it doesn't. And then people are disappointed. It's not mm -hmm. making me sleep. Well, mm -hmm. that's not even how plant-based wellness works. So, you know, there's, it's having this company is, you know, two parts education and then one part really good plant-based wellness because so the biggest hurdle is educating people mm -hmm. about what the difference because pharmacopoeia and plant-based wellness work totally differently in your body when you're talking about a pharmaceutical it is created to essentially correct one specific issue and it is it is usually at all costs not meaning like well, in some instances it is death, but in meaning that it can have all the side effects. So you've got one solution and usually anywhere from four to 50 side effects that it can create. 
But when you're talking about plant-based wellness, it works so differently. It's like, it's one plant and it, that one plant could actually help with like four to 50 things because of how plant-based wellness works in your body. So it's a total, it's flexibility, Mm -hmm. it's flexibility in mind to be open to the fact that maybe, maybe what you've been taught, I don't feel well, I take a pill, I feel better. I want something, I want it to work right away and be immediate, right? So all of these things are being repeated that all these themes that we've talked about. So it's retraining again, that like flexibility of belief that maybe something else could work for me mm-hmm. and I will be willing to, to stick to it and be, and, and do it repeatedly often enough, long enough that I could reap that benefit. And then I can, will make the lifestyle changes that will support the change that I want the plant to make so that I become truly and wholly well. There's a reason holistic is not spelled the same way as whole W H O L E. But I think there is in my brain, there's completely a reason why they sound like exactly the same word, because it is, it is a whole body approach. It's a whole lifestyle approach. So, Mm. and I can give you a perfect example. A woman came to me and said, I don't sleep well at night. Okay, let's talk about, I am, I am super fun at parties, by the way. I'm the person that everyone walks up to now and tells all the things that are, is wrong with them. And she's like, I don't sleep all night. I've never met this woman before, but obviously she knows that I started this company. I'm like, okay, let's talk about, do you know why you don't sleep well at night or do we have to figure it out together? I don't know why I don't sleep well at night. I'm like, okay, well, take me through your nighttime routine. Let's see if I can debunk anything in this. And so she's taking me through it. And part of it is I drink a bottle of wine every night before bed. And I was like, Mm, there's your problem. I like wine too, but it has a ton of sugar in it. And so it's actually your body breaking up that sugar in the wine, both the alcohol sugar and the actual sugar throughout the course of the night, because it's, you're metabolizing it and it's, it's messing with your circadian rhythm with your sleep rhythm. So you have to stop drinking the bottle of wine and you have to reset your circadian rhythms and then you should be good to go. And we have a great, you know, suite of products that I think can help you with that. But you're going to have to stop drinking a bottle of wine before bed. I don't want to. And I was like, then you don't want to sleep (laughs) basically because the reality is, is that you have to make hard choices sometimes. You have to make hard choices to be successful at anything. And eat, that includes, you know, your wellness. But So she's going to go for the quick fix. She's going to go get a pill to help her sleep, which is going to cause three or four other problems, right? So she's, that's the path that she's going to go down unless she chooses the hard, the hard fix that is the right fix for. So she, she did. And then I saw she ends up being the sister of one of my friend's moms. So Mm -hmm. then I see her months, quite a few months later. And she said, you know, I didn't listen to you and I didn't want to, I didn't want to stop drinking the bottle of wine. So I went and got a sleeping pill. She is the example of the sleeping pill gave me anxiety. So she chose this whole catalog of, of, of prescription meds and they each one created another issue that Mm -hmm. then she had to overcome. And so she she eventually decided that that wasn't going to be a route for her. Um, and she made some of those lifestyle changes that she needed to, needed to, and she 
started using our products and she sleeps really well now. And not only does she sleep really well now, but because she was able to make like that positive change for herself, she said that it really empowered a lot of her other wellness decisions in that not only was there an opportunity, but she for she said for the first time in a long time, she felt like she was in control mm-hmm. of her wellness and that she could be successful, like she could make a successful change. And I thought that that part was fascinating as well, because think about it. When you take a prescription pill, you're really and I'm not I'm not against all prescriptions, but you take it. You don't know what's going to happen. Like you have no idea which of the side effects you are or aren't going to experience. You don't know how it's going to impact you. Um, and I think it's a it's a very different scenario when you are saying like, I am going to make these positive changes and then I'm going to support those positive changes through plant-based or holistic wellness. You're in control of all of that and it's mm-hmm. all being dictated by positive choices that you're making, which mm-hmm. build confidence and they and and then because they create a positive response in your life you you are more confident that you're in control of this so you can do it for longer it's more sustainable and then you are experiencing the benefits of it Mm -hmm. and that's why it's really it's wellness it's not just forcing an action in your body it's creating like general wellness in your life oh i love it I think anytime that you can take proactive action um, in your life and take agency, uh, the more power that you have, right? You just, you, like, as you said, you feel like you're in control, you're making uh, judgment calls. I just, that's the way I like to live my life. I don't like to live it in a passive state, but rather an active state. Um, and I, I tell you what, I've, I'm a huge believer in the product. I remember back in the day when you uh, sent me a kit full of, you know, all the various tinctures and things like that. So my, my wife and daughter are taking a number of the products that are specifically designed uh, for females. Uh, I myself have absolutely loved the dream. Um, and, you know, it's, I, I religiously take that every night before I go to bed. And I feel like I've been having some of the best sleep I've ever had, even in the midst of a pandemic, and there's all sorts of craziness that I'm mean, navigating with a business and whatnot. But I'm, I'm sleeping good. Maybe that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, it's helping me make some you know, good decisions. So I'll give give you credit there as well. But what what else would you like people to know uh, about your particular product? Why don't you share with us some of the uh, a few of the basic uh, tinctures and things that you have within that product line that you know, can be a um, the baseline for people to try. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think one of the barriers to plant-based wellness is that it comes across as very complex. And as someone who in life really likes the keep it simple Mm -hmm. model, and as someone who can very easily make something overcomplicated, I, as we were creating this, we really wanted to focus on making it simple for the user. Mm -hmm. So we made sure that even though maybe we were, we had to choose a, a form factor, which means, you know, something like a tincture. Mm -hmm. So I think people would, would love to have a gummy, right? Cause a gummy is easy. And I wish that I could make a gummy, but we really wanted to make it easy for the user. And in order to put all of the plants in that 
are going to make the product work. The tincture was the best way that we could do it. And it was also the way that we could really guarantee efficacy mm. because of the way that it extracts. So mm. I really just noodled there. But my point was that very often when someone approaches plant-based wellness, they will work with a nutritionist or a holistic healer, or they will even just walk into the health food store or a Whole Foods or you know whatever market they're in. And they will be recommended a handful at a minimum of vitamins, herbs, herbal supplements, and they will have this whole cart full, you know, or a whole basket Mm -hmm. and they'll go up and they'll spend $200 and they'll get home and they'll start to read the instructions. And one is morning and evening. One is before food. One is after food. One is only in the evening. One is four capsules, two times a day. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa. Well, this one's going to run out before this one. This one I can't take with this one. This one I have to take in the morning, but then I don't take at night. This one, that's too complicated. Mm -hmm. And as much as I will work for wellness, it was one of the things that was tough for me and was a barrier for me because every time I wanted to do it all, I wanted to do all the things my um, functional uh, doctor was, was offering me. I wanted to do all the things that my holistic doctor was offering me, but it was just so much mm. stuff mm-hmm. to do. And and it was so con- like you needed sheets to figure it out. And it, that was not going to be practical in my life as, as a working mom and, and probably for many people. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we chose to do this and I was working with our, our MDs, PhDs, certified herbalists, traditional Chinese medicinal practitioners, you know, one of the big challenges I posed to them was figure out how to make it one thing. So either get it all into one capsule, one gummy, you know, one whatever, but figure out how to get it all in one thing and it has to work. We're not, we're not making anything that kind of sort of works. And we're not compromising. So if you're telling me it's a gummy, but we have to compromise because it's a gummy and so it's not going to work as well, then that's not going to work either. So we didn't set out to make tinctures. They, they, when they all got together and they processed that challenge, they came back and said, you know what? An alcohol-based tincture is going to have the most complete extraction. It gives us the most opportunity to use a variety of plants, both fresh and dried. Um, and it will also really give us the opportunity to make really effective products because we can pull from so many different practices that way. Mm -hmm. So we can pull from Ayurvedism. We can pull from traditional Chinese medicine. We can pull from uh, Western herbalism and we can pull all those together because they'll all work through the extraction. All of those plants can Mm -hmm. work in an extraction process and can be combined. And we started calling it blending without borders, never to really be used outside, but just to reinforce with everyone, like we're not going to be limited. So, you know, because again, if you're going to follow Ayurvedism, it can be really complicated. And Mm -hmm. if you're going to follow a traditional medicine um, path, it can be really complicated. And so we started to say like, all that has to be stripped away. It can come from anywhere as long as it works together and it works. So once we were able to, figure out, you know, that it could be simple and that it could work. Then we wanted to look at realistically, what can we solve? And maybe what can we solve that's not solved yet? Because if there's a great product out there, I don't need to make a product. It's already available to women. Mm -hmm. And so I want to challenge, I want to, you know, kind of fight the battles that haven't been fought yet Mm -hmm. because 
the goal is to get them well. So if I can point them towards a great product, great, easy, go take that, then right. take that. You know, right. we make this, but that one's great. Mm-hmm. So we didn't make one of those because you could already get that. And in that, though, we realized that we had a huge opportunity in in the in sort of in the area of women's reproductive health. People were not making hormone-free, plant-only products that really effectively tackled the sort of changes of the seasons that women go through, which we ended up naming it seasons because of that, but really tackling, you know, premenstrual syndrome and cramps and menopause and hot flashes. And when they were being tackled, it was usually through different forms of hormone therapy or using synthetic ingredients, and they really didn't have a lot of options. So that was one of our first big focuses. And with that, we also realized that the we had to then offer an opportunity in the four pillars of health because we could help in these very specific focused areas, but if we weren't helping you get to a general foundation of health, then we weren't really helping you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, women were saying like, this is great, but I can't sleep. This is great, but I'm still dealing with, you know, stress levels or, you know, low level anxiety that's preventing me from living my best life. This is great, but I'm still having digestive issues or I don't have enough energy and focus to make it through my day. So that's when we realized, okay, we've got to tap. We also have to, we have to tackle those. We have to make effective products in those areas so that we can give you those four pillars to build your foundation. And then let's go tackle these other areas where we could really be helpful. Well, so you, you highlighted the seasons line that that was kind of maybe like your initial focus and that, that, that's the line that my wife and my daughter uh, are taking. And then you started branching out from there and all those other uh, things, the, the dream. And what is the, what's the one that it helps with anxiety or stress? Calm. calm. So yes. dream is sleep and then calm is, you know, stress. Mm-hmm. And uh, soothe is pain and inflammation because mm-hmm. we all know you cannot have quality of life if you're struggling there. Um, and daily is, is, is daily is kind of your daily health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why we needed all. that. So it's, it's your, it's digestion, immunity, focus, energy. So kind of the make it through the things I need to like make it through my day. So I know that that one seems really broad, but when we thought about really trying to break those up, the reality was, is there's such a huge connection between your gut and your immune system. There's such a huge connection between the two of those and how your body manages your Mm -hmm. energy levels. And then if you don't have those fixed, that brain fog very often comes from an issue in your gut or immune system. So all those systems are so interconnected that we just named that daily and put all those products under there because you really need to create that balance in order to, in in essence, fix one, fix them all type of thing. Like you've got to be working to balance all of those. Well, I tell you what, I absolutely uh, love the product line. And so for those who are listening, who would like to learn more and try the product, you can go to vivemood.com. That's V-I-V-E mood, M-O-O-D.com. And you can see, you know, all the various reports and the literature, write-ups on the products, uh, everything about it, uh, the, the certificates of analysis. Uh, it's an incredible product line. I, I, I use the the dream and the calm 
daily. I also use uh, pretty regularly the uh, the Soothe, and I have found that to be amazing on my muscles and my joints. Uh, obviously, I've shared with you that my my wife and daughter absolutely love the Seasons line. So, highly recommend folks to go out there and and check out uh, the products in an absolutely incredible line. Trinity, I, so I know we're kind of coming up. Uh, towards the end of our time here, I could continue talking with you for the the next you know hour or so. But I know you're as a busy CEO, founder, uh, and mom and wife. You got a lot of irons in the fire, so I don't want to take you away from your family and all your other responsibilities. But maybe a, a two closing uh, questions. Um, one of the one of the things that you had written down is that you have a desire to help people. Um, stop being so extra, right? A daily mission to help people understand why moderation is so important in life and wellness. Maybe can you briefly uh, touch on that real quick? I know it's, I know it's a, probably a big topic. We could have a whole podcast on that one right there, but I didn't want to leave without asking you a question because I feel like there's a lot of millennials who struggle with this, right? The, you know, the, the whole millennial term of FOMO, the fear of missing out. And it's like, right. It's like, no, no, let's, let's 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 have some moderation. Don't worry about that. My kids call me extra all the time, so it definitely isn't encouraging encouraging anyone to shrink. Right? I don't want anyone to shrink their personality. I don't want anyone to shrink their light. I want everyone to be the absolute best version of themselves at all times. Mm-hmm. And I think we should all be working towards and making choices that make us the absolute best version of ourselves mm-hmm. all the time. That statement and one of the things that I've been, you know, just talking about, Mm -hmm. even just within, you know, within our, you know, our little universe of anyone who does want to talk to me, Mm -hmm. um, has been lately that the extremes that I'm seeing in wellness and that people are wholeheartedly diving into Mm -hmm. are so unhealthy and are so unsupported historically for what we know works in wellness. And they're so unsupported by science that I almost feel like this secondary mission now where I need to stand up with a megaphone and say like, you don't, and and we have seen those extremes, you know, repeated in the past and always with terrible implications. People taking FenFen to lose weight because it was a quick fix and becoming very sick Mm -hmm. or, you know, even for a long, for in the eighties, it was really encouraged to take really high doses of vitamin C. And in a lot of the people that did that years later, doctors found that it created kidney stones and many in, in, in a large group of people. Mm. And it was directly attributed to, to those large amounts of vitamin C. So I think my, you know, that my moderation is, is really more about balance. Like if it feels out of balance, if you're, if you're being told to eat a diet that only focus focuses on one of the food groups, it's not a balanced diet. Mm -hmm. If you're being told to do something to an extreme, you know, wearing a sweatsuit and sweating out, you know, 10 pounds of, of, of liquid, your body is some crazy, I forget now off the top of my head, 90% water. Like you shouldn't lose that Mm-hmm. It makes every system work. It helps break down every water soluble um, thing that comes into your body. So I think it's more just, again, you know, taking that deep breath and to your point, that FOMO, you know, letting it go, like 
taking a deep breath, you're not going to miss out on, on losing the 30 pounds that, that mm -hmm. this person has posted, that this coffee has created <laughs> someone to lose. The before and afters aren't real. And if they are, that's one person out of like 400 and they probably did 15 other things to get there. Like mm -hmm. you're not missing out because you can't miss out on wellness. It's impossible unless you just don't work for it at all. Mm -hmm. Like you can create your wellness and you can create it by doing very small things for yourself that make you feel good, that are good for your body over and over again. And some of them can be really small, really easy changes and choices. And for many of them, they've never changed. Mm -hmm. Your fruit should, your plate should look like a rainbow. There's a reason for that because there's different antioxidants and different um, minerals and different, different things that your body needs in each of those different foods and what makes them different colors and what makes them taste differently and what gives them different chemical makeups is exactly what makes each of them important. You know, does that make sense? It totally makes sense. So basically what you're saying is my mom was right and we all, all, all should listen to our moms because they know what's best. <laughs> yeah. And, but you know, on the other hand, then I always say like question everything. Yeah. So like if it doesn't pass, if you're sitting there looking at that, that coffee and I'm stuck on these diet coffees cause they're everywhere and they're making me mad, yeah. like just crazy and angry. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at that and you're thinking, Hmm, and you have a moment of pause and there, and that is your intuition mm -hmm. telling you that this does not pass my aha test. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make me go, it, there's something that's making me go, huh? Instead of going, aha, like I have figured it out. So if it doesn't pass your aha test, if it's giving you a moment of pause, mm -hmm. that is your intuition. That is your inner voice saying like, I don't think so. Yeah. So listen to that. It will guide you. Uh, that That is... Great counsel and something that we all need to take to heart, especially during these times. All right, final question. Uh, I am an avid reader. I am a lifelong learner, and anytime I get around somebody uh, who is doing interesting things in life, I always like to know what they are reading, uh, how they are growing. So my, my question is this, what are some of the, the favorite books that you have read that have had a you know, big impact on your career, or maybe a book that you're currently reading or have read within the last you know, year that's had a, a big impact on you? Any recommendations? I have a stack of books on my nightstand. Okay. It is currently about 16 books high. It wow. looks like a very precarious mountain um, right now. And I need to make my way through it. And they are all books that like, are speaking to me, mm -hmm. e either from an escape fiction stand, you know, perspective or from a learning perspective. I mean, some of them are business, some okay. of them are personal growth, and some of them are like pure enjoyment. Um, but the one that I'm reading right now in... Um, in little chunks, mm -hmm. meaning I'm reading, you know, a few pages every morning, almost like as part of an, an a morning or evening meditation. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking over here because it's sitting on the desk yeah. uh, right next to me in my office because um, I was reading it this morning for a little bit. But that's Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. I've heard a number of people talking about this and recommending it, and I've not read it. So Think Like a Monk, okay. Um, and that one... That one really was for me personally. I was going through something, uh, a personal, mm -hmm. an interpersonal relationship in my personal life. And 
it's, it's super complicated and it's wrapped up in a lot of anger and, and all feelings that I really try not to have mm-hmm. in my personal life. And when I'm around this person, it makes me not the best version of myself. It mm-hmm. actually brings out the worst, mm-hmm. all of the worst traits that I have. And I think we've all been there, right? Yeah, for sure. And I was really needing some counsel mm-hmm. in like, in my life about how I was going to manage myself and my impulses and all the, and all of the things, behaviors that I was exhibiting that I didn't like about myself. And this book has been incredibly helpful with that because it, it really, it takes you through his journey as a monk and I'm not done yet, mm-hmm. but it teaches you the teachings. Mm. And one of them is like, basically like, don't think the not nice thoughts about the person. Don't speak, don't speak the not nice words. Don't engage, you know, in don't engage in the gossip. Don't engage in the not nice words. And then even beyond that, don't even think them Mm. because even the thoughts essentially are, you know, are unhealthy to, to the body and your mind is capable of so many more beautiful things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it, it, it has, it spoke to me exactly when I needed that. And I have been lucky that I, have been able to kind of find books. Mm-hmm. And I was really trying to figure out if I could do this whole wellness thing and, you know, and what I need to learn and, and, you know, if I was crazy, which I totally think I am crazy, but, um, that was when I read the third door and I'm like 99.9% positive that it is called the third door. Um, and it, it's, and that was the book about mm. be life's right. intern and, he speaks to all these other incredibly successful people. And he is essentially asking like, how do you start something? And then how do you get there? You know, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you get it there? And that was one of the questions I kept asking, like, how do you, everybody talks about the end when they're already successful, but like, how <laughs> can someone give me the roadmap for the beginning? So, and that would be another one. Um, uh, oh gosh, there's a brand building one that I really like that I can send you after that you mm-hmm. can put in the notes that I think teach, can teach anyone how to build a personal brand. And I think that for anyone who, you know, Ami was a direct sales company. Um, Bonvera has, has a, 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 a collection of entrepreneurs, yeah. uh, you know, a, a force of entrepreneurs and they yeah. are a force. Um, and I think in that, right, you have to be able to figure out how to build your own brand, but mm-hmm. really in anything you have to be able to figure out your own brand um and how to build your own brand and present your own brand and it was it really broke it down to like make it so that anyone could take these steps to go through and build their own brand and that book was really helpful i'm not i'm terrible like with names so i'll make sure i get you that one but i think those would be three good ones that have a balance too of the third door is it's really entertaining even though it's a business book jay shetty is totally like a personal thing and the how to build a brand is like a very very business take these steps, do these things. Well, that is fantastic. You gave, you gave us three great book recommendations that'll hit on three different um, topics that people can uh, glean practical application for in their everyday life. It strikes me, uh, even as we're finishing up on this uh, podcast, I, I love the fact that you are asking 
really important questions in your life and business. You know, you can tell that you're a lifelong learner, constantly seeking to grow, and not only from a, a personal health and wellness, but you know, mental wellness and just being the the best version of you. Uh, you uh, definitely are inspiring me, and I'm sure all of our listeners to go out there and live life to the fullest and be the best version of ourselves. I think that uh, the world needs that today. The world needs everyone who's listening uh, to stand up. Uh, and to be the absolute best version of themselves and make a difference, not, not only in your family's life, but also in the lives of those around you. Uh, the world needs more hope and encouragement um, and uh, people, men and women of, of courage to stand uh, for big and important things. And so Trinity, I just want to say as a, a CEO, as a founder, as a mother, as a wife, as a person who has had uh, all had to show all sorts of flexibility, not only in this last year, but in, in your life to get to this various point. Just want to say thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us on the podcast today. It's been extremely insightful uh, and also motivating. So just thank you once again. Well, thank you for having me. Today's episode was engineered and produced by Jeremy Going. Special thanks to our very special guest, Trinity Galthrop. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out over on Spotify. If you liked our show, please recommend it to a friend and give us a review. Thanks for listening to Taking the Leap Podcast. We'll be back later for more interviews of leaders, business owners, and shakers and movers taking the leap and doing interesting things in life and business. And finally, a special shout out to all the competitors about to represent the United States in the Tokyo Olympics. This is one of my favorite things, the Summer Olympics. We are cheering you guys on. Go over there and make us proud.